As we have spoken some in not too distant recent sermons, God's definitions don't always match the definitions that we use today. For example, every once in a while on TV, you may see some ad campaign for some product or another where somebody goes all the way to the top of this mountain to find a wise man and goes up and supposedly this secluded wise man has all this wisdom and and all of that when you speak of a wise man <clears throat> others might think of a wise guy right when you think of a wise man some people think well the more letters that somebody's got trailing after their name the wiser that they are but you know according to God's definition neither one of those are necessarily true and in most cases are not you see according to God's definition a wise man isn't necessarily one that's living alone on a mountain, although I suppose he could. Nor is a wise man, according to God's definition, one who necessarily has all these degrees and so much education that it kind of turns their signature into a, a dyslexic serpentine alphabet. A wise man, according to God's definition, and God is the only one that counts, is one who lives and abides in the word and will of Almighty God, period. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. A wise man doesn't necessarily live alone and doesn't necessarily spend his life amassing degrees. But a wise man is certainly one that we do know where he is. He is with the saints, learning even more at every opportunity, and especially on Sundays. Please take out your Bibles. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. I want to take this morning and begin with God's definition of who is truly a wise man, as I've already kind of set the, the foundation for that. According to His Word... From a, very, from a couple of very, I can say this, I'm thinking faster than I'm talking, which is hard because I talk fast sometimes. I want to take it from a couple of passages that are very familiar New Testament texts. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 21. Let's look at God's definition of a wise man. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now we usually tend to stop right there with those three verses, but I don't want us to disconnect them from their context. I want us to look and how to avoid that very situation that he's just talked about in verses 21, 22, and 23. This is how to avoid it. Verse 24, therefore, and we know what the therefore is therefore. It connects it to what he just said. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Notice the phrase, wise man. This is God's definition of a wise man. One who hears God's word and does what God said. 
who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. This is a person who, in our day, comes to church, hears what God says, and then doesn't just walk out the door and say, well, I'm going to just do this, or I'm more concerned with this. or But they, they go out the door, they've heard it, and then they go and they do it. And when the storms of life come and, and beat against that life, when the roof falls in, when the bottom falls out of that life, it does not fall apart because it's built upon the rock of God's words. But, verse 26, this is a foolish man. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. That's the difference between a wise man and a foolish man. Notice that the difference is not that the wise man hears the word and the foolish man does not hear it. They both hear it. That's not the dividing line. The dividing line between the wise man and the foolish man is not hearing the word. They both hear it, but it is the wise man who goes out and does it. Does what God said. He's the one who has such a strength of life that nothing is going to overcome him. That nothing's going to cause him to fall totally. It is the foolish man who comes and still hears it, but then goes his way and doesn't do anything with what he's heard. You know, wisdom is built upon hearing God's word and doing it. If we were to turn to Colossians 2, and I ask that you would, the Apostle Paul writes to the Church of Christ in 1st century Colossae, the following in Colossians 2, beginning at verse 6. He's going to tell them that wisdom and the wise people are those, again, who build their house on what God said, on what Jesus said, on letting Jesus be Lord. They don't need man-made wisdom. They don't need philosophy classes. They don't need all of those things to make them wise. You know, there's a big deal made today if you got all those little degrees and letters after your name and dots and periods and capitals and all of that, and you've got a degree in philosophy and a degree in this and a degree in that and a degree in something else. But even as early as the first century... They understood that according to God, that's not what makes one wise. Let's read from Colossians 2 and verse 6. Paul writes, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Bottom line, you don't need anything else but God. God is the one who makes you wise if you will hear and do what he says. If we were to go back to the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to see in Matthew 24 that secondly, a wise man, as God defines a wise man, is a person who spends, now listen to me church, a person who spends their time, their effort, their energy, 
and their resources constantly getting and staying prepared for the Lord's return. That's a wise person. One who is continually devoting themselves and all that they are to getting ready and staying ready and being prepared for the Lord's return. That's a wise man or a wise person. This is a gender neutral sermon even though I use the term man. That is a wise man according to God. Look with me in Matthew 24 verse 44. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise, there's our term, God's word asks, who is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Who is such a person who's wise and faithful? Verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he'll make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delayed in his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of, and he'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If we were to apply this to the church age today... The wise person is the person who continues to make themselves ready. And the, the foolish or evil servant in the context here as we apply it to us would be one who says, you know what? God's not ever coming or it's going to be so far it doesn't matter. And he begins to abuse his fellow servants. In other words, begins to level unjust criticism upon the church and to slice with his words his brethren. And he begins, verse 49, to go back into the world and live like those around him. That is a foolish man. In fact, he goes on with this description of the wise versus the foolish, if you will, in Matthew 25, the first four verses. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. See the contrast? Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now I want us to consider this, and we're not going to read the rest of this parable, you know the story well. But as these ten go out to meet the master, do they all have lamps? Do all ten of them have lamps? Yes. Five of them have taken the time to prepare and fill their lamps. They've done what is necessary. They've bought the oil, they've taken the time to put it in, they've done what they needed to, their lamps are full. The other five have been spending their time doing, I don't know what else, but certainly not getting prepared. Now they still have their lamps, but their lamps are empty. They haven't taken the time to prepare and, and do what they needed to do. God calls them foolish, but here's the thing I want for us to think about. Do the empty lamps and the full lamps look exactly alike on the outside? Yes, a lamp is 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 a lamp. You can't tell whether the lamp is full or empty. They're all carrying lamps. Brethren, in the church, we can all sit on Sunday morning and look like we're all prepared. And I hope we are. And we all look like Christians sitting in the church. But are we all really prepared? Because as people, we can't tell the difference as well as the Lord can. 
Some of these, all these lamps looked really good, but not all of them were full. You know, it's been said that you can tell what somebody is full of by what spills out of them when their life is shaken up. And that same thing is true with lamps, and it is true with us. One of my favorite passages on this is James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. We quote it a lot, but I want to move on. There's other occurrences of the words wise and foolish in the New Testament scriptures that we could cover. But perhaps nowhere are there greater comparisons between what God considers to be wise and God considers to be foolish. Between the identifying marks as far as God is concerned that says, hey, this person is wise and hey, this person is foolish. Then in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, and it is a lot of the verses in Proverbs that help us to see God's definition of what being wise is. And again, as we read through some of these, it's going to be pretty simple. The wise people are those who hear God's word, do it, get prepared, and stay prepared and ready for their Lord's return. The foolish are those who may hear the word, but they don't do it. And they're not prepared to be recognized as his when he returns. I, as I poured over the book of Proverbs in preparation for this sermon, I, I marvel at how beautifully and simplistically our Lord in the Sermon on the Mount, in that text we read in Matthew 7, pretty much summarized the entire book of Proverbs when it comes to the wise and the foolish. One more time, the wise, it is easy to see, is the one that will take the time to listen, examine, and learn the word of God when it is presented, whereas the foolish are those who have deceived themselves into only thinking they are wise and will not take the time to examine God's word when it's presented. That's pretty much the definition. See what you think. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs and see what it says right out of the gate. The very first chapter, the very first few verses that lay the foundation for the entirety of the book of Proverbs and this teaching on the wise and the foolish. Listen to this contrast. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Look what he tells you the book of Proverbs is written for. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. This is the purpose of the entire book of Proverbs. To give prudence to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. That is the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Now... Look what he says it will accomplish. A wise man, this is God's definition, verse 5, will hear, will hear these Proverbs and increase learning. A wise man, you're going to see as we read some of these, is always increasing in learning. Wisdom doesn't stop when you get baptized. Wisdom doesn't stop when you've been in the Lord 20 years or 30 years. A wise person is one who keeps on seeking and searching God's word and, and growing in it. 
As he says in verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you fear the Lord, if you know who he is, you know you're going to face him one day. You understand who he is and what he is capable of and the promises and the preciousness of what he has given you. That's when you're going to begin to really seek all the time to dig in and, and get some of these beautiful, priceless pieces of knowledge. But fools, verse 7, despise wisdom and instruction. Do you see the contrast? It's already coming out. I want you to listen to all these divinely inspired definitions of what God says constitutes a wise man. These verses that we are about to read are the spiritual marks of identity. They're kind of the spiritual fingerprint of the spiritual DNA that will help us to recognize the difference between those God says are wise and those God says are foolish. Turn to me in your Bibles to Proverbs 8. Listen to what godly wisdom personified says. What godly wisdom personified says. Proverbs 8, verse 1. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. This is wisdom, if it could be in human form. She cries out by the gates, at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O man, I call, says wisdom, and my voice is to the sons of men. You simple ones! Understand prudence, and you fools, yes, that's a Bible word, be of an understanding heart. Wisdom beckons for fools to become wise. Verse 6, listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. That's what wisdom says. You're never going to hear anything abominable come out of godly wisdom. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness, nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Wisdom says in verse 10, Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. In verses 10 and 11, we see the pricelessness of attaining God's wisdom. God's wisdom says, I am more valuable than any earthly thing you can attain. More than... An education that will bring you bazillions of dollars. It says, I am more important. I am to be preferred over that. Wisdom goes on in verse 12 to say, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Over the course of these next verses all the way through to verse 31, we would notice that wisdom says, Hey, I was there when God made the world. God used wisdom to make the world. And as we look around and science discovers more and more about our universe, about our universe out there and, and us inside and everything and how it works, all they're discovering is what godly wisdom created. That's all they're doing. 
But look how, after that, wisdom personified speaks. Because God used her in the beginning in everything he did, verse 32 of Proverbs 8, Now therefore listen to me, my children. Listen to me, wisdom says. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. When you hear God's word proclaimed, when you hear God's wisdom presented, do not disdain it. Do not put it aside. Do not put it away. Hear it and be wise. Hear it and do it. Blessed, verse 34, is the man who listens to me, says godly wisdom, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Do you want favor from the Lord? Do you want life? That comes from listening to godly wisdom. That comes from being wise enough to listen to God's word and then do what God said. Verse 35, For whoever finds me, says wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. Do you want to wrong your own soul? Do you want to cause the death of your own soul according to this last verse? That's foolish. How do you do that? Cast God's word aside. Hear it, but don't do it. What defines a wise person is their desire to listen, learn, examine, understand, and then teach others God's word. Look in Proverbs 15. We're going to spend the rest of this morning in Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verse 31. What defines a wise person is their desire to listen examine, learn, understand, and then teach others the words and wisdom of Almighty God. Proverbs 15, verses 31 through 33. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. We need to learn from the things that we go through in life to trust God. If we learn from those things to trust God more, then we are wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. I want us to really think, but nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Okay, let, let's be fair up front. Okay, nobody likes to be told they're wrong. I don't, you don't. I don't know if anybody says, hey, tell me how wrong I am. I really enjoy that. I, you know, most people don't do that. But the thing is, is when we know God and we have a fear of God and we have somebody tell us, that we're wrong and we need to get right with God so that we can be with God and we listen to them, we're wise. That's what the Bible says. But a person who doesn't want to listen to godly wisdom does so to the harm of their own soul. Fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Look at that last line, before honor is humility. What does that mean? person who wants to be respected in this life. And I'm not talking about a, a, a perverted sense of pride. That's not what I'm talking about. But a person who, who wants to be respected in this life is one who gives godly wisdom must first humble themselves and accept godly wisdom themselves. They must fix where they are wrong. They must be willing to listen when somebody says, no, that's not right. Or is that really right? They, they need to humble themselves to God's wisdom before they can be honored as one who knows God's wisdom. Verse 33. In fact, just listen to some of these. I'm not going to give you time to turn there. Listen to God's definition of a wise man. If you're taking notes, fine. 
Don't try to keep up if you're not. Proverbs 18.15 The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. It's a continual thing. A wise person continues to seek knowledge. Proverbs 19 and verse 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. As we get older, if we want to be considered by God to be a truly wise person in our old age, if we want to be wise, if we want to have godly wisdom that will carry us through anything, then we must be willing to listen and receive instruction when we're younger. Because, you know... <laughs> okay, not in my notes. I'm not sure I want to go here. As a person gets older and closer to death, they, if they were a person who was grumpy to begin with, most of them get grumpier. Now, some of them will go the opposite direction because they realize they're getting closer to going home. If somebody is a really sweet, sweet person, the closer that they get and the older they get, usually the sweeter they get. I mean, you don't really change as you get older. You just typically, usually, normally, you become more of what you already were. That makes sense to everybody? I mean, you don't hit age 70 and all of a sudden become a totally different person. You're basically twice what you were at 35, only it's coming out more. Good or bad. Well, this is kind of the idea behind this scripture. If you want to be wise in your latter days, then listen to God's wisdom and receive instruction. Don't throw it away in your younger days. Then you'll be wise in your latter days. Proverbs 19.20. Proverbs 23.19. Hear my son and be wise. Guide your heart in the way. Proverbs 24 verse 26. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. In a multitude of counselors there is safety. Did you ever want to believe something that you really knew probably wasn't quite right? Did you ever want to maybe do something that in your heart you knew really wasn't right, but you really wanted to do this? And you didn't go to a whole lot of people and ask them what they thought because, quite frankly, you didn't care what they thought because you really wanted to do this. But the Bible says, in a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. When we are considering a big decision, we need to talk to people, and not just people we know. We all know who's going to agree with us, right? I mean, do you have certain friends that you know if you go to them on a given subject, they'll pretty much agree with what you say? Do you have those types? You know pretty much who's the yes people and the no people and the I don't want to know people, right? In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. We need to be willing to consider all angles and not just go it alone. Proverbs 25, 12, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. When you go to somebody and you, with God's wisdom, try to correct their situation and they're a person who wants to be obedient to God, what a blessing that is. Have you ever talked to somebody who really just wanted to get it right and they didn't have it quite right and when you told them they were glad you told them? You ever had an encounter like that? Maybe you were that person. You just want to be right with God. And somebody come to you and said, you know what? Maybe you need to reconsider this. You go, you know what? You're right. So, those are some marks of a wise man. But what does a wise man do with all that wisdom once they've gained it? Once they've sought it and gained it, what does a wise person, according to God, do with all that? Turn to me to Proverbs 11. And look at verse 30. It tells you what the wise person does. This is God's definition. 
Proverbs, yeah, I can say that. Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If you ever wanted a verse that says God considers you wise when you share the message and win souls, there it is. There it is. Look at Proverbs 15 and verse 7. What does a wise man do with all that godly wisdom once he's gained it? Well, he saves souls. And look at what 15.7 says. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. Once you got the word in you, you need to be able to share the word out of your lips with those people who need to hear it. You need to be willing to let it out. This is what makes you wise in God's eyes. It's not just holding it all in. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. But the heart of the fool does not do so. Now, I want us to just consider, before we move on here, the fact that God says it's foolish if you know His wisdom and don't share it. Do you see it in that verse? God's difference between the wise and the foolish is whether or not you share that godly knowledge you have with others. Sometimes when we share God's wisdom with others, they just don't want to hear it. So is it really worth it? Look at Proverbs 15 and verse 24. Yeah, it's worth it. The way of life winds upward for the wise that he may turn away from hell below. The way of life winds upward for the wise. When we are wise, when we seek God's knowledge and we seek God's wisdom and we, we look at it and we're willing to listen to rebuke and we're willing to learn from God's wisdom and we're willing to examine the word and really look at what it says, no matter what we may think, and, and really figure it out and how it all works and then go out and do it and then go out and share it. That's what God says makes a wise man. And it is that wise man whose life winds upward. It is that wise man who winds up in heaven. I want to be one of those people. Foolishness is just the opposite. Everything we've said about the wise, foolish is just the opposite. Look at some of the contrast of the wise and foolish. Proverbs 9. Back up there and look at the contrast. Proverbs 9, verse 6. God's definition. A lot of verses... Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding. In other words, it is foolish to stay in misunderstanding. It is foolish to stay in a position where you do not take God's wisdom into your heart and turn from those misunderstandings and those things that you didn't have right. That's foolish. Forsake that and live and go in the way of understanding. Verse 7. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. In verses 7 and the first line of verse 8, you see that if you go to correct a person who is foolish, and they don't want to be wise, they're going to come after you for it. But look at the exact opposite when you correct somebody who wants to be right with God. Look at the very next line in verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 8. Instead of rebuking a scoffer or a wicked person who doesn't want to hear it, who will turn on you, that just makes them foolish, look at the difference. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. 
Give instruction to a wise man and he'll be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. What's the difference in verses 7, 8, and 9 between the two? What's the difference between the wise and the foolish? They both hear the word. They both get corrected. What's the difference? The foolish person doesn't want to be corrected. They want their own way. The wise person wants to do it God's way. That's the only difference in verses 7, 8, and 9 between the two. Again, they both hear the word. As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, you've got those who hear and do, they're wise. You've got those who hear and don't, and they're foolish. Either way. Look at this comparison again in chapter 10. Look at verse 8. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. Look at the contrast again in chapter 10, same chapter, verse 14. Wise people store up knowledge. They store it up. They keep getting it. You know, you used to be a show on TV about hoarders, right? And, you know, I don't know what you call people like that down here. Up home, we call them pack rats, okay? Whatever you call them, hoarders, pack rats, whatever, they just they keep everything, okay? But the Word of God says that if we're really wise people, we will hoard, we will continually seek, we will store up wisdom, we'll keep on going after it. You know, did you ever see somebody that had so much of something they just didn't need anymore and didn't know what they were going to do with that that they had? And they keep getting more. It could be, you know, maybe they've got some fascination for, I don't know, uh, tricycles, whatever. Pick your whatever it is. And they get more and they more and they more and more. And they just have this continual hunger and they store this stuff up. And they don't need any more and they just keep getting. But he says we're supposed to do that with wisdom, with God's knowledge. We're supposed to store that up. Wise people store up knowledge. In other words, no matter how old you get, you keep looking for it. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. I want to just go through some verses with you that identify the difference as far as God is concerned. I want you to listen to them. For those of you who are trying to follow along in your Bible, I'll take them in chronological order. But I just want us to consider some verses from Proverbs today. Proverbs 3.35, as we contrast the wise and the foolish according to God. Proverbs 3.35 The wise shall inherit glory. That person who is continuing to seek the will of God, to store up the knowledge of God, to, to get the wisdom of God, who will listen, learn, examine it, obey it, and then share it. That person, the wise, it says the wise shall inherit glory, but shame will be the legacy of fools. Proverbs 12 and verse 15. And we're going to illustrate some of these a little bit. Proverbs 12 and verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. See the contrast? God says a fool is a person who has, they got it locked in, and no matter what you say to them from the word of God, they're going to do it that way. It doesn't matter if the Bible says, do not do X, Y, Z, and they want to do X, Y, Z. Somehow they're going to justify it in their own head, no matter what God's wisdom says. That's a foolish man. But a wise man is one who says, you know what, I wanted to do X, Y, Z, but you're right. I can see right there in the scripture says, thou shalt not X, Y, Z. Maybe I need to rethink this. That's a wise man. 
That's what it's telling us in Proverbs 12 and verse 15. Same thing in Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. You want to be wise? need to listen to those wise fathers, those who have been there. You know, sometimes one of the things that we do in our society that, that probably because I'm getting older, I have even a harder time with this, but one of the things that we often do with in our society is we take our old people and we lock them away somewhere and we don't benefit from all the wisdom that they've gained. You know, in some of our former cultures, if we go back in time, a so hundred years or several hundred years, you know, their old people were respected. People went to them for guidance and counsel. We don't do that as much anymore. Older Christians, those who have been in the Lord for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, man, they've got so much that we could learn from if they're righteous and godly people. And that's just like a father's instruction to his son. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Verse, uh, chapter 14 and verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish woman pulls it down with her hands. There's the contrast. Proverbs 14.3. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. Yeah, their pride is going to come out and they are going to beat you to death with it. That's a foolish person who's going to go in their pride no matter what. And he's going to beat you down because they are so prideful and so arrogant. But the lips of the wise will preserve them. Here's another one that goes with that. Proverbs 14.6 A wise man fears and departs from evil. When they are warned, it is evil. This is wrong. This is ungodly. Don't live like this. A wise man departs from evil. But a fool rages and is self-confident. In that same place, a fool is going to say, I don't care. I am sure, you know, God loves me and I'm going to do this or I don't care what God says. That's the difference. All of these stem from the same root, but it's interesting to see them in print. Proverbs 15 and verse 12, A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. You see, a scoffer... Or a foolish person is one, he doesn't love the person who's trying to help him. And in fact, when he wants to go do something, he's not going to go to a wise person and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Because he doesn't care. Proverbs 17.10, Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. If you go to a wise man, this is what makes him a wise man. If you go to him and you say, Hey, can we sit down and study the Word of God on this? Sure. Well, here's what the Word of God says. You have this discussion and you know what? He says... I was wrong. Rebuke is more effective. What makes him a wise man is that he's willing to listen and learn. That is more effective than a hundred blows on a fool. Because if you inflict a hundred blows on a fool, he still ain't going to change his mind. You can do whatever you have to do and he's not going to listen. That's what makes him a fool. <clears throat> I've heard variations of this. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Proverbs 17, 28. You know the old, the old saying about, you know, if somebody thinks you're foolish, don't open your mouth and prove them right. That, that's kind of what that's saying. Proverbs 18, 1. This is a big one. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. This is a big one. You know, when somebody isolates themselves, 
We'll say that you're a Christian. And somebody doesn't want anything to do with you. Maybe they leave the congregation. They see you down straight in the store. And they don't, they don't, they do everything in their power to avoid you. They're isolating themselves from you. They're raging against all wise judgment. They've heard the word of God taught. They've heard the wisdom of God and what God has to say on certain topics. But they've isolated themselves from it. That is a foolish Foolish thing to do. They rage against all wise judgment. Might be on alcohol. Proverbs 20 and verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Well, if they're not wise, they're foolish. Let me share with you a few more. Proverbs 26 and verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? You see somebody just thinks he's, as Katie would say, a bag of chips, uh, all that in a bag of chips. He just thinks that he is just, he's got it all. He knows it all. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Because if a man thinks he's wise in his own eyes, if he is so full of himself, there's no room for Jesus in there. He's never going to listen to God's word and learn it. He's always going to be a fool. Matter of fact, there's more hope for a fool than him. Because maybe the fool will turn. But if he's so full of himself that he won't, he has no hope. That's why Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Proverbs 20 and verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? I like that. Most all of us tell somebody how right we are. But God says, Are you faithful? Proverbs 29, 8 and 9. Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. You want want to know how God identifies a wise person? A wise person is a person who will put a fire out. A wise person is a person who will turn away wrath. It goes on to say, If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. If a wise man tries to put out a fire with a foolish man, it doesn't matter what the foolish man's response is, he's coming after you at some point anyway. Whether he rages or laughs, whether he agrees with you or disagrees with you, if he's going to hang on to his own opinion and he's not going to change, then there's a problem. Finally, Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Proverbs 20 and verse 3, It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 30 and verse 32, if you have been foolish in exalting yourself or if you have devised evil, put your hand over your mouth. If you've been foolish and you've exalted yourself, don't do it anymore is what God tells us. And you know, in the New Testament, there's a lot of this wise versus foolish description as well, this definition. The New Testament describes in detail both people and situations that are foolish. Those who are foolish in the New Testament are those who are slow of heart to believe the Scriptures, Luke 24 and verse 25. The foolish are those who outright deny God, Romans 1, 18 to 32. The foolish in the New Testament are those who turn away from what the first century apostles and servants of the Lord taught, Galatians 3, 1 and following. And finally, the foolish in the New Testament are those who are wise in their own opinion, Romans 12, 16. Those who compare themselves to others instead of to Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. The foolish are those who desire to be rich at the cost of their Christianity, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 9. 
And finally, the foolish in the New Testament are those who want to argue pointless points just for the sake of creating strife. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 23. Bottom line of this morning's lesson is this. Each and every one of us needs to determine to be wise by the Lord's definition and therefore be ready the day He returns. We all need to determine that we are going to be wise men and women, wise Christian children in the eyes of God, instead of by our own or the world's definition. We do that by being ready to listen, to learn, to understand what the will of the Lord is, then by repenting and changing wherever we may have been wrong, because we want to arrive in that upward place. Described in Proverbs 15, 24. And then finally, the wise are those who will not only listen and learn all that the Bible has to say, repent where they need to, but then will share that message. Let us all determine to be as wise as we possibly can be in the eyes of God. The lesson is yours this morning. If you're not a child of the living God, by virtue of your having heard the word, believed it, being willing to confess Jesus being willing to repent of your sins and obey the gospel by being baptized that opportunity is yours this morning maybe you haven't been living faithful maybe you haven't been living as wise as you'd ought to have been living maybe some of those things this morning kind of struck at you and you need to make changes you need the prayers of the church if you have any of those needs will you come to the front as we stand and sing